Good evening and welcome to Slam the Gavel, the show that tells it all regarding family court and CPS issues. I'm your host, Marianne Petrie, and tonight I have with me Anne O'Keefe Rogers. She has gone to Washington University in St. Louis. She is a consultant who works out of the Resolution Center in Jacksonville, Florida, and facilitates conferences, retreats, support groups, and networking among targeted parents, and is fascinated by the power of post-trauma resilience. Anne is a certified family court mediator and Spanish interpreter with a heart for the disabled community as the mother of an adult with autism. Anne was one of the head coordinators of the recent Guardians and Gatekeepers Family Advocacy Conference produced by Kids Need Both, comma, Incorporated of Lakeland, Florida. Anne is also on the facilitator team with Dr. Mark Roseman and Associates, and Anne co-founded Epiphany Awaits, a coaching and resource center for those experiencing high conflict divorce and separation. Anne is releasing a book on parental alienation entitled Holding It All Together, a data-driven guide to parental alienation. I'm so glad to have you on tonight. <laughs> and how, how was your day? <laughs> oh, my day's going really, really well. It, it's a little bit cold here in, in Florida for what's typical, but it's, it's still the sunshine state. So things are going very well. I'm glad to hear that because it's just been uh, snowing here <laughs> and uh, we've got probably about six inches. <laughs> oh my. Yeah. So we've got a lot to talk about and <laughs> talk about parental alienation and targeted parents and what the target parent goes through. Mm -hmm. So what are your thoughts um, when you noticed target parents? Well, what I know about targeted parents is that all of us, the thousands and thousands of parents in this country alone are suffering from is complex PTSD. And it is traumatic what parents go through in family court. And when a parent is targeted and separated from a loving relationship with their child, which they had prior to the divorce, is traumatic for the child and is traumatic for the parent. And it's really important that the community is aware of this growing body of parents. There is slowly, Marianne, as you know, there's slowly becoming more awareness in the community about this problem. And it's becoming more apparent in the schools and in the courts and in the literature um, and it's it that's it's a good thing that there is more awareness but there needs to be more and that's why i'm i'm so thrilled marianne for the work you're doing because you are part of that you are bringing that awareness people are listening they are they are becoming more aware and the changes are very very slowly coming thank god mm -hmm. now did you get to see the film um erasing family you yes. probably saw that yeah what are I your did. thoughts i'm thrilled that it's now available widely yeah i believe it's available on amazon prime as well as another platform and so it's really bringing awareness ginger gentile has done a huge 
community service by providing that movie that is bringing the awareness that's necessary. It's, it's so sad that parental alienation affects so many parents and yet many do not know about it. They, they know somebody who is an alienated parent, but they don't know there's a name for it. And now because of that movie and because of the growing body of research, uh, Dr. Bill Burnett is one of the foremost researchers on parental alienation. And he was part of a, a Netflix movie that was very highly rated too. And he has written extensively on parental alienation. So the word is getting out and it is becoming more and more known. And that's, that's what's so important is that, you know, I'm just one of thousands of targeted parents and I had no idea about all the resources. When I first began this journey, it was over 10 years ago, I had no idea that there were all these resources available. Right, because when I went through this, it was probably about maybe six years ago, and I had no idea what was out there to help me as well. Mm -hmm. and, and that's the thing, is that the, the parents who are still new to the process, and they, they don't know that there's a name for it. That's why it's so important that there is greater awareness, Marion, so that when, when you can name a problem, you can begin to solve it, right? Right. And that's why the more we get that idea out there, and quite frankly, if it's called parental alienation or pathological parenting or high conflict divorce, you know, we could get lost in semantics. But the fact of the matter is, it is a rupture of that relationship, a previously loving relationship between a parent and child, and it's due to a high conflict divorce. And there's more than one therapist who has likened it, Marianne, to a, a living death. Mm -hmm. So for these parents, their children are very much alive. They're living their lives, they're living with uh, an alienator, and yet they're deprived of a loving relationship with the other parent. And so that's why it is likened to a, a, a living death because it's no one knows when it will end. No one knows if and when there will be a eureka moment. And that's why it's so important for the schools and for the community that, you know, every, between you know kindergarten all the way up to university, there needs to be more awareness of this and the critical thinking skills that are needed for these kiddos to think, hmm, I've been told ABC about my mom or dad, but that doesn't line up with reality. That doesn't line up with what I experienced. And, and it's really important that the school counselors and the teachers are aware of these types of situations so they can help foster those critical thinking skills in, in the kiddos. Do you think, um, like, I think it would be a great idea if they showed um, the film Erasing Family 
during school hours. Mm -hmm. That Absolutely. way everyone could see it. Absolutely. And I know that there's several watch parties for the that movie, A Racing Family, for parents. But I think that's a, a brilliant idea to have it for for the kiddos. And quite frankly, we were prior to COVID-19, we were going to have a watch party at the Resolution Center here in Jacksonville, um, primarily geared for adults. But um, there's no reason why it couldn't be shown in schools or in, you know, especially universities or um, especially among those studying in the mental health professions. Definitely. I think there's a lot of mental health professionals out there that don't get it. Like, for instance, they'll call for like family counseling and say, we'll say the dad is driving the kids in because he has them for that day. Uh, but the mother's never notified of the date or time. <laughs> mm -hmm. exactly. I mean, that happens all the time. How can you have family counseling without everybody? The counselor should pick up on that and call the other parent and say, hey, we're having this meeting. Did you know about this? Or the counselor should be calling both parents and saying, this is the date and time. Mm -hmm. They're not picking up on this um, psychological gaming that the other parent's doing. Exactly. And many times it can be a power play where the alienating parent will say to either the, the school staff or the medical staff, under no circumstances are you to communicate with the other parent. And so that means there have to be separate parent-teacher conferences, separate IEP meetings, separate medical visits. It's a nightmare. And I'm, I'm speaking from personal experience. When, when one parent is excluded and there has to be two IEP meetings for a special needs student because one parent cannot bear to be in the same room as the other parent, that's, I mean, that's extra work, obviously, for the, the teachers and the administrators, but it's, it's completely unnecessary, and it's a disservice to the child. With that film, Erasing Family, I don't mean to keep going back to that, but yeah. um, they talk about the Sweden model and staying out of the family court system and having two people sit down and figure out a schedule and obviously you can't do that if you have a parent with we'll say a personality disorder mm -hmm. and it seems like there's a lot of personality disorders out there mm -hmm. from what i'm getting hearing from other parents and what they're going through in family court mm -hmm. and many times that personality disorder is projected onto the other parent it's interesting you bring that up, Miriam, because I've been part of support groups both in Ohio and in Florida. And I would say the majority of the attendees of those parental support groups for alienated parents, their ex-spouse does suffer from some personality disorder. Um, it, it could be narcissism or uh, some type of psychopathy. And so that is manifested and projected onto the other parent. And many times the other parent has absolutely 
no personality disorder. There's nothing wrong. But because that other parent has more money, more power, more control, and a higher level of animosity, they get their way in court. And so while the Sweden model is, is a good one, I would say it's unfortunate right now in the American court system, it doesn't work. It's, it's kind of similar to um, almost like, I, I'd say like an OJ Simpson situation where if, if a one person has enough money and has enough power and has enough desire for control, they're gonna get what they want. It may not be right, but it's they're, they're gonna get what they want. Mm-hmm. And it leaves many, many parents frustrated, um, economically broke, either bankrupt or on the, the, the brink of bankruptcy, and they're completely maxed out financially, emotionally, personally. And that's why that population of alienated parents, it's so important that there are resources for the parents. Right. And the thing is, um, you know, you try to work with the other parent and things seem to be going okay. They might be a little bit bumpy or then they meet a third party that starts interfering. I'm sure you have talked to parents about that. Mm-hmm. And how damaging do you think when the third party starts interfering, what are your thoughts on how bad the damage is done? Well, it, it depends on the quality of that third party, quite frankly, but it also is, there's varying degrees of mental illness. So if one of the parents has uh, a more extreme form of narcissism or um, some type of psychopathy, they will present either in the mental health room or in court. And I believe it was Amy Baker who said, you know, there's the four C's. The alienator will appear cool, calm, collected, and confident. And the alienated parent has the three A's, anxious, angry, and afraid. So that's the typical scenario. So you could have, you know, a third party with varying degrees of quality, but that's going to to be the typical scenario of what the parents present and if anybody's angry anxious or afraid they're not going to come up with a good outcome it's not going to be it's not going to go well mm-hmm. and uh you know the good thing about the racing family movie is at the end they do have a, a way for parents to reach out for resources and for assistance and so those those parents who are uh, enduring that that loss of their children from their lives are able to at least connect to a resource that will help them out. I've always suggested to parents to find a good counselor that they can click with that understands parental alienation mm-hmm. um, and that has also dealt with the courts you know, uh, it doesn't have to be a court-ordered psychologist that you're forced to go to, but someone that you pick that knows the court system. 
Mm-hmm. And that, therefore, they understand the mechanics of the parental alienation being hauled into the courtroom every other two weeks mm-hmm. or going through, um, oh, I can't think of the word, continuances. <laughs> that's yes. Continuances, and that's highly stressful on a target parent. It just drags everything out. And these lawyers and these judges, they know what they're doing, it seems, yes. at least from what I've gathered. They do, and it's it's cookie cutter to them in many ways. Um, but I, I, you know, Dr. Mark Roseman, one of your prior guests, nailed it when he said it, it's it's like the Roman Coliseum, and um, parents are are thrown to the lions for entertainment value and for money, and it, it's 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 horrid. And quite frankly, the the mental health profession. I, there is a lot of benefit to that one-on-one therapy, like you talked about, a really a PA competent therapist who knows the the proper science and the proper treatment for helping an alienated parent. But I've had more than one therapist tell me, Marianne, and there's only so much I can do with an alienated parent in, in my counseling room after however many sessions i have to tell them you need a support group you need to be with other parents who are on the same journey because when you lay eyes on somebody else who's been through what you are currently going through it is a sigh of relief and i know for a fact that the parents who have gone to the support groups both in ohio and in Florida, they know that they can go to that support group. And even if it's only one, once a month, that's their lifeline. Mm-hmm. They can walk into that room. They don't even have to say a word because other, the others in the room, they get it. And there's no judgment. There's no shame. There's no stigma because they're all on the same journey. And it's such a relief. They don't, if they want to give an explanation of their circumstances, they can. But that that's a real relief because I'm I'm sure you probably join me with this, Marianne. It's you you can't really explain it, right? It's right. counterintuitive for a child to reject a loving parent when there's been absolutely no abuse. It's it's not natural. And so to have a support group of other parents who are on the journey is it, it's very powerful. And um, I, I, I am in touch with several of my friends in Ohio who are also alienated parents. And there's one who I keep in touch with every single day. Mm-hmm. And we, we share the, the joys and the sorrows and we're forever friends, but we, do everything we can to encourage each other on on how to be the best mothers that we can be in this situation. And we know that we're just one of thousands of, of parents who are like that in the same circumstances. So it's it's wonderful to be able to at least be with others who are on that journey. I think a lot of parents are embarrassed to say that their kids were taken away from them. 
for either false allegations, which is very common, the silver bullets, whatever the other party comes up with. And it's very embarrassing to say, yeah, my kids were taken away. Right. Absolutely. There's a lot of stigma and a lot of shame. And it's, um, it, it's not really able to be explained uh, to people who've, who've not been through it. And there's people that, you know, they, they just don't know what this is about because it's never happened to them. And there's a lot of parents out there that, you know, things are going great now, but will they go great in eight years from now? They could be in this boat of family court. Yeah, it can happen to anyone. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it can happen to anyone. And I think that it's when you realize you're not the only one on the journey and you've, you've found others who are on the journey, not only do you get that sense of relief, you're able to trade tips and you're able to help each other out. Um, and, and one of the, the biggest things that I've noticed, Marianne, there, there's two things, two, two common threads I've seen in a lot of the alienated parents that I know of. Um, one is their, their faith, their faith in a higher power, because that's the only thing that really is gonna get a person through this, this process of parental alienation. The other is a sense of humor, mm -hmm. because um, you need a sense of humor uh, just to have some sanity, right? And right. it's, um, you know, I, I, and I believe it was uh, even Dr. Mark Roseman, he, uh, he became an amateur stand-up comic, right? Right, <laughs> he, right. He went around, uh, um, you know, after his, his journey with parental alienation, and that was his source of sanity, is being able to, uh, you know, find new ways to be able to laugh. And, uh, you know, for, for me, it was, it was silly things like, you know, the slapstick stuff on The Office, that, that show on, uh, used to be on Netflix, and now it's on a, another um, platform. But, you know, finding new ways to, to laugh at others and at yourself and at, you know, the situations that you get into, those are, those are going to be the biggest, some of the biggest resources for targeted parents on the journey. Right. The coping skills are very important. And I just read somewhere that, because I, I like to stay busy and I do artwork and um, just a lot of things, uh, knitting, <laughs> mm -hmm. things like that. And sometimes um, like I'll have a horse lesson once a week or every other week and um, just to get my mind off of things. But they said, I don't know where I read this, but they said being busy also is not good. Being too busy. Mm -hmm. What do you think of that? Because I'm thinking, gee, maybe I shouldn't be too busy. <laughs> so there, there's a balance to be you had it, the the professionals call it sublimation so when a person is going through PTSD they can sublimate the trauma of whatever it is they've gone through in this case for alienated parents it's a loss of relationship with their their child so they can sublimate that and they can sublimate that in a healthy way like 
you do with, with your horses and the equestrian activities. And um, as, as long as it's in, in a healthy manner, there's nothing wrong with it. I'll, I'll give an example from in my situation. Um, I have taken an online course with Coursera and that's really kept, kept my mind busy. And it was a course on resilience. Uh, it's taught by Dr. Ann Mastin of the University mm -hmm. of Minnesota. It was a life changer for me, Marianne. Mm -hmm. Not only did it keep my mind busy with something that was really positive, um, it was something that had so many takeaways for me as far as new ways to be resilient as an adult, um, as, as a parent with the, the roles that I have as, as a wife, as a mother, as a daughter, as a friend. And I, I can't speak you know, more highly of that particular course. Dr. Ann Mastin has written extensively and she's an expert in the field of resilience science. And so now that's kind of my thing for alienated parents to find new sources of resilience and strength to, to keep on going, to have the long range view, to be able to try to do things here and now that you'll look back five, 10, 15, 20, 25 years from now and be able to look at this time right now that I am doing everything that I can to be as healthy as I can because for parents going through parental alienation, it is a pandemic within a pandemic. Mm -hmm. Right now, we know domestic violence rates are going up, suicide rates are going up, divorce rates are going up, and alienated parents who were alienated prior to COVID-19 we, we kind of, we know it because we've been going through it for quite a while before COVID-19 arrived. But now it is a pandemic within the pandemic because of the lockdowns and the restrictions and the fact that the lack of healthy parenting is taking place and none of the mandatory reporters are able to make the reports of the domestic violence. And so that's why we're seeing teen suicide rates going up, adult suicide rates going up, depression, anxiety. And that's where it's really important that the mental health community find new ways to reach out to alienated parents. Because you and I both know there are alienated parents who do choose suicide. They do choose excessive drinking, uh, excessive drug use, uh, promiscuity, et cetera, et cetera. And obviously that's not healthy. So the mental health community is really, they're, they're overtaxed right now. And I don't know, you know, what to do with, you know, when I talk to parents and you know, have them try to pick a counselor and they'll say, well, I've already been to three and I, I can't, I cannot relate to them. So mm -hmm. I just tell them to keep going and keep searching for the right counselor that you click with. Mm -hmm. 
but it's very, I mean, sometimes it's easy. Sometimes it's difficult to find a, a good one to talk to. And I always encourage coping skills. I mean, I even took on a different kind of painting style, which is something I never would have done. And which is like, it's called um, dirty paint pour. So you just take a bunch of paint and flow troll in a cup and just dump it on a canvas and just <laughs> swirl it around. But I mean, that was new for me. And that was like, well, that was like really fascinating. And it was a cheap thing to do. And I always encourage people to find some cheap things to do because your attorney fees you know, are just sucking you dry. Exactly, exactly. That's why um, in many cases, support groups are cheaper. Uh, coaches, mm -hmm. coaches who are alienated parents. Um, I'm, I'm thinking specifically of one, there's a gal by the name of Barb Schroeder. Not only is she a coach for alienated parents who specializes in reunification, Barb also has a line of greeting cards for alienated kiddos and so sometimes you have to think outside of the box if you can't find a therapist who's pa competent it's it's unfortunate but you can find coaches that can do a, a really good job of helping you find new resources find resources not only outside of yourself but within yourself and might be able to connect you to other things that you hadn't thought about. So I'm, I'm, really, um, I'm really hot on, on coaching as an option for alienated parents who you know, are open to that. Well, I had moved to a new area. So I had you know, left all my friends, they're about 100 miles away from me. But I found a friend through Facebook on a site of, um, oh, it was about erased parents. Oh, I can't think of the name of the site, but it was erased parents. But uh, people were saying, Where are you from? Where, you know, and parents were listening, you know, saying, I'm from Philadelphia, I'm from here and there. So I connected with someone. Um, we're probably maybe, I would say maybe 30 miles away, but we meet every other week. Mm -hmm. And just walk around the mall and laugh at things and get a Starbucks and just yes. look around. It's just fun just to walk with someone and just talk about, you know, even your kids, even. Yes. It's just a, it's just a really nice support. Well, I mean, as nice as it can be under the circumstances. Right, right. The circumstances that brought you together are not great but the fact that you're able to help each other out is. Right, and parents have to be patient. It's hard to be patient when, you know, you don't have relatives that are helping you come into court to be, to be your support. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's only just you and your parents or you alone. And yes. that's very difficult when you see the other parent with a full entourage filling up the pews. Yes. Absolutely. Oh. And the, the church community also, that's another area that there's so much education to be done among the clergy and among the lay ministers about this so that they can help. I know that there's, there's, several, um, there's several coaches that I know of who precisely do that. They, 
are working with the clergy to educate them on parental alienation so that they can be supportive to alienated parents. Yeah, that's good you brought that up. I didn't even think about the clergy or, you know, that whole aspect. I'm just, I just was so uh, focused on the judiciary. <laughs> and I don't know what you think about judicial reform or <laughs> trying to increase awareness. I, I haven't had much luck. <laughs> well, I, I, I'll be honest, Marianne, I am cynical about judicial reform uh, because we know that it's very, very slow and parental alienation is such an urgent issue. Our, our children, they, they need help now. And the judicial reform that is required, it, it's like trying to get a, a steamship to make a U-turn, right? Mm -hmm. It takes time, it takes a lot of work, and it is slowly happening. Um, I am hopeful about the, there's, and more increased awareness of the, the trauma pathology that's manifesting in courtrooms. And that is something that um, AFCCC is, is devoting more and more of its journal to that trauma pathology manifestation and the parental alienation that is showing up in these repeated returns to court um, and that the litigants who might have started out with an attorney pro se because they've been drained financially but quite frankly many of them they they know their case better than any attorney will mm -hmm. so if if they do their homework they they can successfully present in court and get you know hopefully some relief for their child so I, I, I guess I, I wish I could be more optimistic about judicial reform in a, in a more uh, expedient manner, but it's, it's slow and it obviously varies so much state to state. If you had someone come up to you and say, I think I'm, I'm thinking about getting a divorce. What do you, you know, think? I haven't been happy for years. What would your best advice to them be? <laughs> Do everything you can to mediate. And I know that's going to make the legal community mad. But um, <laughs> and it, I, I say that because you know, my brother's an attorney. I, I have uh, a lot of lawyers I'm very fond of. But <laughs> um, whatever can be mediated, you're going to be that much better off, less stress, less money, and there are a lot of places that will mediate a divorce for a fraction of the price of going to court with attorneys. And so that's, that's what I would say to uh, somebody who's considering divorce. I was talking to another guest, and they were talking about, you know, you're getting along fine now, you're co-parenting fine, but if that other parent goes to remarry and then they start kicking up, you know, um, kicking up some, some sand and starting something, mm -hmm. should they sign a prenup stating that they will not get involved 
between the mother and the father's co-parenting relationship? They could sign it, but it would be incumbent enforcement of that. And that's, that's the million dollar question mm -hmm. because you could have a, a prenuptial agreement is, are the party is, is the parent willing to really go back to court if it's not being followed? That's right. Do they have the guts? Do they have the backbone? Do they have the financial means, the financial and emotional means to do it? So I, um, I'm, I, I, I don't know. I, I'm kind of, I would be ambivalent about a prenuptial agreement simply because it, it's all about enforceability. Mm -hmm. It's a shame because I don't know. I look at my situation. Um, if my husband had kids, which he doesn't, but this is my new husband, but I would never get involved in between him and his ex. Mm -hmm. If they were having a problem with one of the kids, they'd have to handle it. Like I would not get involved. I'd be supportive, but I would just never dream of doing what some of the step parents do. Right. And, and the step parent actually stepping into the role of the biological parent. And that's, that's, that's not cool. That is not appropriate to try to usurp the other parent's role. And it always seems like they start out with, start calling him dad, start calling her mom. And the lawyers try to stop it. I've seen lawyers try to stop it, and they, they can't. Right. I mean, who's going to babysit these people when you get out of the courtroom? Exactly. And that's, that's the thing, is that are you willing to you know, go back when, if, if it's un, unenforceable? Yeah, are you really going to go back to court, especially as the, the children get to be teens and they get closer to the age of majority? Um, because then they're going to have to testify and you have to make a really prudential call, a judgment call of is, is what, what is the best option to take. Now I'm hearing that, you know, through all this, like on Facebook, I'm hearing that it's, it's always a mother that's the alienator. And I'm saying it's, it's both. It's, I've seen both. I, I quite frankly, and this, I'm not a scientist or researcher who has the statistics, but um, my case was in Ohio and, and uh, it was definitely, I, I, I was a full-time mother up until the divorce I, for 10 years. So um, I, I really think it's varies jurisdiction to jurisdiction. And I think the guardian at litem really, at least in, in, at least in, in the county where our case was heard, the guardian at litem really drive the bus. And mm -hmm. so if, if the guardian at litem sees one parent as superior to the other, and that parent happens to be the alienator, alienators is going to get what they want and it could be a mother or a father because i i know quite frankly in the the groups in ohio both in akron and in columbus 
it was an equal 50-50 split of mothers and fathers who were alienated. Uh, and it's about 50-50 in, in Florida and Jacksonville as well. And so it would be interesting to know the gender breakdown of alienated parents, um, at least the ones who attend the support groups. But I, at least on social media is also my impression too. It, it seems like it's, it's relatively even, but I could be wrong. It just seems, um, it, I just see it as happening to everybody. Yeah, mm -hmm. everybody's fair game. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. I don't mean, I, go ahead. No, I, it, it, I don't believe it's a gender issue. I, I don't think it's, it's gender at all. I, I, don't, I don't think, at least in 2021, it doesn't seem that mothers are the only alienators and fathers are the only alienators. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, sometimes the grandparents are the alienators as well. Absolutely. Grandparents or uh, aunts or uncles. Mm -hmm. like the flying monkey syndrome <laughs> yes yes and 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 that's where especially if one parent's relatives all live in town and the other parents are all out of town they are you know it's it's quantity over quality mm -hmm. it's a shame um I really hope that the, the film Erasing Family gets out there in the schools. You know, the way, um, was it Rachel's Challenge got out? Do you remember Rachel's Challenge? No. Okay, uh, it was about the school shooting in Columbine. Oh, yes. And uh, that went through the schools. And um, everyone had to see it. And they also had the parents see it in the evening. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was just a learning experience, you know, you know, it was sad, but some things in life that they just are very sad and you have to learn from them. Absolutely. And there are certain movies that are belong to each generation. I know when I was growing up and I know this will date my date me a lot the morning after um, which was about a nuclear holocaust, and this is back in the 80s, and that was supposed to be the big pivotal movie that brought so much awareness to nuclear armament. But there are seminal movies that can really drive the cultural conversation. So, like you said, with The Racing Family, that can be that kind of movie that will really drive some conversations and really make some changes that are necessary. And I hope that can happen. I hope the school districts will allow this to happen mm -hmm. and facilitate it and get it going. And because I know, you know, kids talk and they know, you know, that there's something going on. They need to know that both parents love them. Mm -hmm. I, you know, counselors in the school districts need to see this because when I was going through this, I got a call from one of them that said, 
your kids aren't smiling anymore. I've noticed this for the past three weeks. What's, what's happening? It's like, you don't want to know. <laughs> right, right. What goes on behind closed doors? Absolutely. But, you know, these stolen childhoods and these erased memories is very troublesome. It's, it's like things that were very happy. It's like, don't you remember that? They don't remember things. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's, um, historiography is the study of the making of history, the, the, the study of history as it's written, as it's recorded. And it's, it, it's, there are historiographers who that's all they do is they study how history is recorded. When there's a family involved, it's very important for parents to become historiographers. And how do we look at the history? How do we look at the transgenerational traumas as well as the transgenerational successes, even handedly? And, you know, whether it's alcoholism or uh, personality disorder or something that could have a genetic component to it, it's important to be able to look at it clearly and to identify the challenges that go along with that and be as healthy as one can be. So in the same way as if I knew that uh, there were multiple relatives who had cancer that was ended up being fatal for them, I would make lifestyle choices, right? Because I would know that. And it's important for our kiddos and for parents too, to have the critical thinking skills to know about their family history and know about if there are issues that they need to be aware of so that they can take the, the necessary steps to be healthy and to be the fullest version of themselves. I think it's super important. And one of the things that is recommended for alienated parents is to send things from family history to their kiddos. If they have their email address or even their, their mailing address to send family history, you know, the family history trees from their side, send the old family photos of grandparents and great grandparents and, and things like that so that the alienated child knows they have two parents who love them and that their their bloodline goes back and there's so much for that child to be proud of even if they're currently rejecting that parent they need to know they come from a place of love and it's it's really something that that comes up with the, some of the clients that I coach so I tell them, you, you know, share the family history. Um, you know, a, a, sim a simple example in, in her family, my grandmother was a member of the Daughters of the American Revolution, which means we can trace our bloodline back to the American revolutionaries. So I share that with my kiddos. I let them know they, you know, it's something to be proud of. And they also need to know the biological, oh, the, I hope I'm saying that right, biological background, because what if someone in your family had, say, kidney disease? Mm 
they need to be aware of things that are in, inherited. Mm -hmm. exactly. And it, if the other parent cuts the other parent off, you know, that could, is this so wrong? <laughs> exactly. So um, I was going to ask you, would you like to be a return guest on my show? <laughs> sure, sure. There's, there's, there's so much to share. Um, I, I wanted to let you all know, too, uh, there's so many resources available to targeted parents, and um, I would be happy to be a, re a return guest. Thank you so much, Marianne, for everything you're doing. Um, I can provide tons and tons of resources, but they really mean nothing at all unless the targeted parent accepts the call to heal and be the healthiest version of themselves. And it's really common, you know, to talk about being the best version of yourself, but I'm just gonna challenge every alienated parent who's watching this, as we recover from, you know, COVID-19 and the impact on our lives, I'm gonna challenge each alienated parent to find a new way to be healthy, to be as whole and as healed as you possibly can be. Because quite frankly, we're all broken inside and we need that healing so that if and when our children choose to come back, we'll be the fullest version of ourselves. So I, I just wanna challenge any, any parent who is struggling with that alienation because it is a struggle it is sad do what you can to be as healthy as you can be and i know that we had talked earlier that these targeted parents is you know you're not alone there's more of you out there absolutely so reach, reach out and you know um even even just put yourself out there. I I had to, in order to meet people that were going through the same thing. Um, how can you be reached if someone wants to contact you? Epiphanyawaits.com is our website, and you can reach me there. There's a lot of resources there for alienated parents, and that's the best way to reach me. Okay. Okay, so um, I won't keep you for your whole evening. I'm going to uh, let you go so you can enjoy your evening. <laughs> okay, Slam the Gavel is a podcast to help the public understand what really goes on in the family court system that in turn perpetuate parental alienation. I'm your host, Marianne Petrie, author of Dismantling Family Court Corruption, Why Taking the Kids is Not Enough, and Cry Out for Justice, Poems of Truth. Please join us again in the future and we will have and on again <laughs> thank you absolutely thank you Marianne.